Will the Australian economy stagnate in 2020? Let's have a look. Hello everyone, I'm Florian Heiser and welcome to another episode of Heiser Says. I've got my Stein of coffee and I thought we'd have a look at this article from the ABC because it goes through a series of predictions for the economy for 2020. Now before we get into it, what do you all think? Do you think we're going to do, be having a bumper year of the property prices that are just shooting up everywhere if you're in the right suburbs? Now, are they just going to fuel our economy with magic, fairy dust and Harry Potter spells into superior economic performance? Or should we have a little bit more of a rational expectation of where this year is going to head? So this is written by Peter Martin on ABC News. So wage growth, economic growth, and unemployment stagnate in low year of or in year of low expectations. Well, I, I will bring up my favorite chart about economics right here. You know the wage price index, and just recently we had an updated business confidence and business conditions come through from the NAB, and they've plunged. Business confidence have plunged, so it's not a confident sign at the moment. And I'll remind everyone of our GDP growth, the last data, we're slowing. And we've been depressed. The growth of our nation has been below trend, depressed since the GFC. You have to remember that, everyone. So let's have a look at this article. Wage growth, economic growth, and unemployment stagnant in year of low expectations. This year is shaping up to as a dismal year for the economy, with no progress on many of the key measures that matter for Australians. Unemployment will stay above 5% and probably rise rather than fall. Economic growth will continue to have a 1 in front of it instead of a 2 or a 3. That used to be common, and living standards will grow more slowly. Well, I mean, at least this is better than a decline. I think it could be worse, guys. I think we could enter a recession this year, but let's keep going. Wage growth, forecast in the budget to climb 3%, will instead remain stuck near 2.2, where it has been for half a decade. And remember, this is going to get chipped away by inflation and, and help us if we get QE. Those are the central forecast of a panel of 24 leading economists from 15 universities in six states assembled by the conversation to review the year ahead, a year they expect to be marked by only one more interest rate cut, more modest growth in house prices, and a return to slower growth in the share market. So when was this written? Five hours ago. The problem is, the problem is, and we'll see in this article, have these economists taken account for the black swan potential of the coronavirus? We're seeing how it's already having an economic impact on the crayfish industry in Western Australia. We had a gentleman leave a comment on a video I did yesterday from the tourist industry on the Gold Coast saying how it's dead. Everything after the 27th of Jan, dead. Our tourist sector, everyone, remember, I'll bring up this chart. You can see the scale of it, $60 billion. And now let's compare that. We will compare that as well. I will bring up another chart, guys. We have the Observatory of Economic Complexity coming up here. Got too many charts everywhere going all over the place. And... You can see here, let's look at some other industries to compare. Iron ore is a $48 billion industry. Coal, $47 billion industry. Petroleum gas, $20 billion. Gold, $27 billion. 
So you can see the scale of our tourism industry. It's bigger, bigger than every one of these sectors. So say we take a hit in tourism. We take a hit in international students coming over. We take a hit in iron ore and other exports to China. What do you think that will lead to our GDP, to our wage growth, to this year ahead? It could be a very tough year, guys, and this could be a recession. Even if, even if this virus is contained within the next few months, even if it doesn't spread around the world, but it causes economic issues and instability in China. The panel comprises macroeconomists, economic modelers, former treasury, IMF, OECD, Reserve Bank and financial market economists, and a former member of the Reserve Bank board. Combined, their forecasts are more likely to be correct than those of an individual member. Really? Why? And one third of women. Who cares? Are there any any Austrian economists there? Are they all Keynesians? That's what I'd be more interested in. I don't give a damn about your genitals. I mean, seriously. Uh, why? I know this is ABC. I know, and they have to do this woke PC crap. But come on, you, these these women who've worked hard to get in these positions, you're just turning them into a gender role. This is the thing. This is the thing. You meet any woman that has worked hard to, to get in a successful part in business or in the corporate world. If any of them are, are advocating for for gender quotas and stuff, I don't trust them anymore, to be honest. I think, how did you get there? They expect the long-promised budget surplus to all but disappear as a result of responses to the bushfire and weaker than predicted economic growth. So what's the outlook for economic growth? The Treasury believes... The Australian economy is capable of growing at a sustained annual pace of 2.7%, but it hasn't grown that fast since mid-2018. Growth slipped below 2% in March 2019 and hasn't recovered. It now has been below 2% for three consecutive quarters, the longest period since the GFC. The panel's central forecast is for economic growth to stay at or below 2% for at least another year, producing the longest period of low economic growth since the early 1990s recession. The average forecast for the year to, to December is 1.9%. So, I mean, what they're doing is they're just taking a whole bunch of predictions from people with probably similar, similar economic approaches and ideologies and methodologies and averaging it and saying that's more accurate. Is that how it works? Panelist Saul's S. Lakes says it will be the result of persistent slow growth in household disposable incomes reflecting very slow growth in real wages the increasing proportion of gross income absorbed by tax and weaknesses in property income interest and rent as well as at the margin the impact of the drought on farm incomes it will be domestic rather than overseas conditions that hold back australian growth so he's worrying about domestic conditions what about combined with overseas conditions that affect our growth as well U.S. economic growth is expected to remain little unchanged at 2.1%, notwithstanding trade friction with China. And China's official reported growth is expected to ease back only slightly from 6% to 5.8%. So here we have, I mean, the different predictions of economic growth. 3%, 3% of Australia. Stephen Keane, or Steve Keane, is the only one predict, predicting declining growth. Okay, this, this is not... I don't understand why they're doing this, why they're getting a whole bunch of people together and averaging it and saying this is what it's going to be. This, this doesn't, what's the point of this? They've got, 
I, I don't get it. I don't understand why. You're not going to average. They've all got different variables. They've all got different models. They've got, all got different ways of measuring and analyzing the economy. And you're just averaging it to get your best guess. Um, well, we'll see. We'll come back in a year and see. What do you think, guys? You think Steve's on the money? What do you think um, Warren is going good at 3%? So growth in living standards likely to slow. I would say it's uh, it's going to decline, to be honest. One of the best measures of overall living standards, the one the Reserve Bank watches, is real net national disposable income per capita, which takes better account of buying power than gross domestic product does. In the year to September, it climbed, climbed an unusual 3.3%, pushed up by a resurgence in iron ore prices. The iron ore price has since slid from $120 US a ton to around $90 a ton, and the panel's average forecast is for it to fall further. As a result, it expects growth in living standards to slow to 2.4% in 2020, a result that will still be better than between 2012 and 2016, when a dive in export prices sent it backwards. Growth in nominal GDP, the raw total unadjusted for inflation, is also expected to slow, slipping from 5.4% to 4.4%. As export prices weaken, producing a decline in revenue growth the government has already factored in the budget. Un the unemployment rate is expected to end the year near the top of the 5% to 5.5% band it has been stuck in for the past two years, rather than falling to the 5% forecast in the budget or towards 4.5%, the Reserve Bank believes. Only one person in the panel, Warren Hogan, expects the unemployment rate to end the year below 5%. So here we go, Steve Keane. So Steve Keane is the, uh, let's say, looks like he's a little more worried about the future for the economy, or a little, let's say, negative for the future of the economy than everyone else, but he's still predicting GDP growth. Disposable income will go down, negative unemployment rate 6%. This is the ABS unemployment rate. Look at the Roy Morgan. They're saying we've gone up from 8.1 to 8.6 month on month. And then you've got underemployment as well. So here we go. Why, why aren't they getting Adams on this list, guys? So expect low wage growth. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, why? That's not even a prediction, guys. Our, our wages are among the highest in the world, so Australia can't compete with a lot of other industries. That's in, you know, it, it's just getting tough now. So what can we do? How, we need to get more innovation, more investment in business, not just flipping houses. But you know, that's what we do here. We just flip houses, dig holes, and sell coffee. That's why our economy is, is so advanced, so complex. So expect low wage growth. The panel's central forecast is for inflation to remain below the bottom of the Reserve Bank's 2 to 3% target band, where it's been for most of the past five years. One panelist, Margaret McKenzie, breaks ranks. She expects the drought and bushfires and floods to sharply put up the cost of food and essential items, including energy, quickly pushing inflation into the range the authorities have long wanted, but not for the reasons they want. Well, I mean, this is the thing. Inflation isn't a good thing. It's not a good thing. You're trying to nudge people into spending to encourage spending by devaluing the, the value of their money. It's not a good thing. I don't think people have thought about it because there hasn't been inflation for so long, she says. The problem is that the fires are likely to contract an already weak economy, impelling the Reserve Bank to cut interest rates further, even though its inflation targeting regime would tell it not to. Wage growth is forecast to be well below the highest inflation forecast and only a little above the central forecast, resulting in continued low real wage growth and seeing the budget miss its wage growth target for the eighth year in a row. 
I mean, this is the thing, guys. You can't legislate wage growth. You can't legislate wage growth. You can't make rules. Oh, we're putting the minimum wage up so wages will grow. No, that's not how it works. People get fired. People will be unemployable. Work will get offshored. It's that simple. You need to, you need to get small business and the economy ticking on and encourage it. You need to get out of the way of business and entrepreneurs to have them fighting with each other for wages, fighting with each other for staff. Wage growth, wages grow when they're, it's a simple supply and demand thing. If you want the good people, you pay to get them in. You pay, you compete. And if workers have many opportunities for work, you'll go from one to the other to get a pay rise. I know, I did that. When I was a student, students of architecture who were working in practices could demand good money because there was a shortage. They needed people who could draft. They needed people who could use uh, CAD programs. So you could get paid well above the award. For what you were what uh, the award was we all scoffed and laughed at people who got the award because the qt is we were working four days a week you could run a job in four days a week one day at uni yeah that's how we did it how they used to do it and they've now they've now ditched all of that so uh, well so here we go wage price index warren is saying three percent and up oh, steve isn't the bottom dixon is 0 0.8 so a few signs of business investment recovery well yes i mean i brought showed before just the business confidence and conditions are trending down in the latest NAB data. Household spending barely grew in the year to September, inching ahead by a shockingly low 1.2%, the least since the financial crisis and not enough to account for population growth. The panel's central forecast is for a recovering in spending growth to a still low 2.4%, with spending held back by low consumer confidence, and what former Organization for Economic Cooperative and Development Director Adrian Blundwell, Wignall calls a sense that we are living on borrowed time. Yeah, I'd say that. How many people are worried? How many people are preparing and planning? I'd say a large portion of the audience watching this show are. China is slowing. Bank finance housing has been pushing the envelope and is very expensive. And the governments have never had a plan for the next phase of sustainable growth, he said. The perception of no confidence in the government has not been helped by the bushfire events. There are a few signs of recovery in business investment, notwithstanding record low interest rates, because the interest rate, the cash rate, which is insanely low, doesn't really translate to business loans, does it? It's hard to get a loan when you're a small business person to invest in your business. It's a nightmare. If you've got a small business, guys, share in the comments just some of your experiences you've had getting a loan. It's not easy. Because, you know, that, that, that's too much risk for the banks. Why do that when you just buy houses? Just buy houses and flip them. That's all Australians do. You're not buying houses? You don't have five houses? You're not using the capital gain that you've made on one house to borrow three more? You're an idiot, guys. The panel, panel's average forecast is for investment by mining and non-mining companies to grow by only 1.7 and 1.9% in 2020, which will represent a turnaround for mining in which investment fell 11% in the year to September. So business, predictions for growth in household spending, mining and non-mining investment for the year to date, 2020, December. Here we go, average at 24 Chris Edmund is at 3.6. Steve Keen, 0%. So there you go. Markets won't grow as much this year. Financial markets should prove less support to households in the year ahead, with the ASX 200 share price index expected to climb only 6.4% after soaring 20% in the year just ended. None of the panelists expected last year's growth to continue. The Australian dollar is expected to end the year at 68 US cents, close to where it is at the beginning. Iron ore price is expected to fall to US $75, a smaller slide than was assumed in the budget. 
the markets and hear the predictions. Spot price for iron, 98 bucks. And the bottom, these guys haven't made one, $55. There you go. Look at the US dollar all over. The, yeah, between 69. Who's saying 72? So they are probably arguing that the US dollar is going to go down. S&P, ASX 200 up 13% um, to 5, negative 5% and 0%. So home price growth to solidify. Okay, this will be good. Housing investment, home building is expected to stabilize in 2020, falling only slightly from here on after citing 9.6% in the year to September 2019. Sydney and Melbourne home prices are expected to continue to recover, growing by 5% in 2020. Well, we looked at a piece yesterday just saying the divide, showing the divide in house price growth in Sydney. I mean, it's not universal, guys. You need to be in the right suburbs. Panelist. Nigel Stapleton says the higher home prices will in time boost perceptions of wealth, opening up the possibility that consumer spending will surprise on the upside. Do people still fall for that though? Do people trust? Do you trust it when the cash rate is so low? Do you trust it? Predictions for growth in Sydney and Melbourne, home prices and home investment. So we've got here 15% up for Sydney, 10% for Melbourne and at the bottom, negative one and negative one percent with Mr. Keane. So we're seeing some sharp contrasts here. Interest rates and budget. Panel's central forecast is for only one more cut by the Reserve Bank's cash rate this year in the first half, followed by no further cuts in the second half. This would allow the bank to avoid so-called unconventional monetary policy or quantitative easing or money printing, in which it forces down long-term rates by buying government and private bonds, an option Governor Philip Lowe said would only resort to after it had cut its cash rate to 0.25%. A single cut would take the cash rate to an all-time low of 0.5%. In anticipation, the ANZ cut its online saver rate from 0.1% to 0.05% on Thursday. I mean, why even bother? The cut could come as soon as next week when the board holds its first meeting for the year, February 4. Governor Lowe has scheduled an address for the National Press Club for the following day. Most of the panel think quantitative easing will not be needed and many question its effectiveness. Well, I agree. I would say, well, the, it's proven to be ineffective. Saying the government could achieve much more by fully abandoning its commitment to surplus in order to stimulate the economy. Yeah, they'll just build more roads and it's just going to be the same thing. I'd rather they abandon the surplus and create special economic regions to allow employment, to create special zones. I mean, here's an, just one example. Look at what happened to mango picking in North Queensland. Right there. State intervention screwed up a whole sector. Workers are missing out. The panel expects the government's 10-year bond rate to remain historically really low at 1.3%. That makes it about as cheap as it's ever been for the government to borrow for worthwhile purposes. So the cash bank Right, and here we go, 1% down to 0.25. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg has abandoned his absolute commitment to return the budget to surplus this financial year, saying his priority is meeting the human cost of the bushfires. 2019-2020 surplus was forecast to be $7.1 billion in the May budget, and then downgraded to $5 billion in December. The panel's average forecast is for the bushfire ravaged $2.2 billion. And here we go. I'm in the Commonwealth budget. There you go. Negative 10, negative 10, negative 0.10. 0. 
up to 8.6 surplus. Most of the panellists believe that with good management, the government can avoid a recession for another two years, propelling the Australian economy into what would be the 30th straight year of expansion. Then what is the recession going to be like? How many generations of people haven't experienced one? On average, they assign a 27% probability of, to a recession within the next two years, down from the average forecast of 29% in June. Several pointed out that whereas the main risk to continued growth came from overseas, China appears to be managing its slowing economy better than expected. Is this before or after what's happened with the virus? Among those who do fear a recession is Julie Toth, who has lifted her estimate of the likelihood of a recession from 25% to 50%, saying growth is already so weak that it won't take much to send it backwards. Exactly. The bushfire disaster prevent, presents the real and immediate possibility of two quarters of negative growth for the fourth quarter of 2019 and the first quarter of 2020, she said. Even if disaster relief and fiscal stimulus are delivered swiftly, resource constraints, a lack of skilled tradespeople, water equipment and appropriate building materials mean recovery will be very slow. And here's the chance of a recession. Steve Keen at the top, 75%. Daniel Wood at 10%. The panel began compiling its responses when the bushfires weren't as bad as they became. It finished on January 20 when the worst appeared to have passed, but it is possible not all of the forecasts fully factor in the effects of what happened. In any event, many of those effects won't be the same for some time. 2020 is turning out to be a year of uncertainty as well as low expectations. And it sounds like they should didn't make any concept comments with regards to the impact of the coronavirus on the Chinese economy and that impact on to Australia. So guys, what do you think? Are you on the Kenyan side? Or the Dixon side. Well, as one example, Keane seems to be the most concerned. Looks like recession. Do you think we're going to have it? Do you think we're not? Do you think the economy will just stagnate? And will we avoid QE? Let me know your opinions in the comments below. Thank you for watching. Please like, share, and subscribe. If you're a fan of the channel and want to do something extra, extra to support us, you can support us on Patreon with a small monthly donation. You can also do the same here on the YouTube channel where you also get access to emojis and badges. Handcrafted emojis by myself, I might add. We have affiliate links for independent reserve for your crypto traders and Amazon and eBay links for your consumer purchases. These cost you nothing and help you support the channel. We also have Pocket Squares at the highest it says website and finally PayPal if you want to contribute that way. Thank you everyone. We really appreciate it. It helps pay for all the equipment and things that we need to run this channel. Have a great day, and I will talk to you all in the next episode. Bye for now.